What the fuck is going on? I like, I'm starting this podcast and I see for like the third day in a row that Kyrie Irving is tweet, it, not tweeting, but trending. And I'm like, okay, like, let me, let me check my timeline. Let me check what's going on. Let me check the trending tab, tab on Twitter. And it's Kyrie Irving tweeting some shit out at Stephen A. Smith. And then Stephen A. Smith tweeted some shit out back at Kyrie Irving for some weird reason. And I think it's like a reply too. It's not like he just like randomly just did it. He's just like, yeah. Just going to tweet something out for no reason whatsoever. And then Stephen A. Smith just hit him with this corny tweet as well. And it's like, we're not even, we're not even in the podcast yet. And I got some stuff I got to talk about. Like first and foremost, we're going to look at God, man, the Hugh Jackson failure. Oh my God. I was watching the, the Cleveland Browns hard knocks because I was interested in it. I was interested in the whole Baker Mayfield, Hugh Jackson controversy. And it's, it's hard to watch because hard knocks is hard to watch. It is terrible. It is a God awful TV show. They have some of the most interesting football. I bitch about it on an annual basis. But just once again, seeing Hard Knocks, I always forget how terrible of a TV show it is relative to literally anything and everything that I watch. And it's on HBO. I'm watching The Sopranos. And I'm like, you're on the same network as The Sopranos? Ugh. Ugh. But I'm watching that. I'm watching uh, the Hard Knocks TV show. And I was going to talk about Hugh Jackson being a horrific, terrifying head coach. And we're going to talk about it. But I also wanted to, like, lead in the show. I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the DB position and kind of the state that it's at. The players that are playing it, obviously, or some of the best players that are playing it. I won't go full, like, fully into it and things of that nature. I have, like, I don't know, like... 15 names that I want to talk about. But I also want to talk about some of this other stuff that I found. So Stephen A. Smith, how do I describe Stephen A. Smith? I mean, he's a quote unquote political, not political. Oh my God. He's, what is it? I'm already losing my mind here. He is a analyst for ESPN. He does terrible debate shows in the morning and that's kind of it. He just like he just debates people and he's a bad analyst. He's a, a better way to describe it. He's a bad analyst. He's a bad analyst. And so for some weird reason, Kyrie Irving felt the need to reply to Stephen A. Smith on uh, I don't even know what. It's like literally it's like Stephen A. Smith is trending at night. I don't know why Kyrie Irving just had the I you know what? Maybe I should just stop asking why Kyrie Irving does stuff and more along the lines just uh just go with it because Kyrie Irving is just he's unpredictable at this point. So he goes on Twitter and this is what he tweets out. He says, Stephen A. Smith, you're going to have to explain yourself to people in your generation. 
I am not around many 50 plus year olds that speak and act like you do. So this is new for me, but I am sure my father and my uncles can meet you on your level better than I can. We know you, Steven. I think he is trying to like semi clown on him, but it didn't go as well as he thought it did. It's something that, like if I saw this randomly, I'm like, oh, this is a shitty tweet. I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh, this is like, this is a shitty tweet non-responsive i don't really care but then stephen a smith in all of his wisdom decides to not only tweet back at kyrie irving but then he also goes as far as to be like you know what i'm gonna do uh i'm also going to essentially give you like my notes app version of what i want to say so he goes on to say this oh you and, and let me try and put on my Best Stephen A. Smith voice. Oh, you've got it twisted, bro. Big time. I don't have to explain a damn thing to anyone, especially you or your father. Your uncle, Rod Strickman, is another matter. I love that brother and I profoundly respect him. Always. As for you, when you have a level, let me know. Which, by the way, it's just like, bro, you are a media pundit and an analyst who is talking about basketball who makes literally four times less money than Kyrie Irving does and you're not even at, that good at your job like Kyrie Irving is literally one of the best basketball players in, in the history of the sport you are like a below average media personality that is being paid as if you are the best continuing forward Because I am not aware you have one off the court. Either way, I have a wish. One day you'll stop hiding behind the public support you receive and fess up to the shenanigans you engage in, leaving folks hanging like laundry. Be honest about what you've been truly doing. Until then, let's confront one another one-on-one -on -one for the world to see. He's essentially trying to get him to come on a first take now. Your truth up against mine in a public forum for everyone to judge. Name the time and place and I'll show up. I keep receipts, bro. Show up. You do know what that is, don't you? If you didn't know before, I know you know now. Now that you're after the and he does at dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign you took for granted to be waiting for you see you in the fall you know what i hate i hate people who say i have receipts and then they don't fire off anything you know it reminds me of like the opposite of the Eminem song, it's probably one of his greatest songs ever. And it was after, it was, oh my God, Eminem has had like some of the most interesting relationships ever with like women. Uh, he dated Mariah Kelly. Mar Mariah Kelly? Oh my God, Mariah Carey, Jesus Christ. That was my speaker turning on and off. Mariah Kelly, really? Mariah Carey made this song that I think is like super, super popular on TikTok. 
where it's called Obsessin, and it's essentially this diss track about Eminem. Hold on, I'll play a little bit for you. Uh, as everything kind of just like, as I'm, I got like two fucking ads. I got two fucking ads. Hold on a minute. Two seconds. Hold on. Let me like fast forward it to like the chorus or whatever. Here we go. All right, you get it. So essentially, Mariah Kelly. Damn it, Carrie! Mariah Carrie! Not Kelly, Mariah Carrie! Mariah Carrie makes this like okay song that, like, for some weird reason, girls like foam, foam at the mouth, and they play this song. And I'm like, you did not play the Eminem diss track that he used to respond to the Mariah Kelly. Mariah Carrie. I'm gonna say Carrie and Kelly. It's more if I say Mariah Kelly. It's Mariah Carey. But you didn't play the fucking diss track that Eminem wrote about Mariah Carey. Said it right the first time. Said it right one time. In response to this song, Obsession. Now, this song is after like Nick Cannon and Mariah Carey have gone back and forth against Eminem. But Eminem has also has also like Eminem has gone back and forth with Mariah Carey and god damn it my speaker everything is just so annoying right now Eminem went back and forth with Nick Cannon and Mariah Carey when they were married and things of that nature and this this absolute monster monster of a diss track was and is the response to this I'll play a little bit only reason I dissed you in the first place is cause you did not see me now I'm pissed off Sit back, homie, relax. In fact, grab a six pack, kick back while I kick facts. Yeah, Dre, sick track. Perfect way to get back. Wanna hear something wick whack? I got the same exact tat that's on Nick's back. I'm obsessed now. Oh, geez, that's supposed to be me in the video with the goatee. Wow, Mariah didn't expect it to go balls out. Bitch, shut the fuck up before I put all them phone calls out. You made in my house when you was wildin' out. Before Nick, when you was on my dick and give you something to smile about. How many times you fly to my house? Still trying to count. Better shut your lying mouth if you don't want Nick finding out. You probably think because it's been so long. If I had something on you, I would have did it by now. Oh, on the contrary, Mary Poppins, I'm mixing a studio session down and sending it to mastering to make it loud. Enough dirt on you to murder you. This is what the fuck I do. Mariah, it ever occurred to you that I still have pictures? However you prefer to do, and that goes for Nick too, faggot. You think I'm scared of you? Okay, all right. All right, that's it. They... Old, older version of Eminem. So Eminem proceeds on this track to then, uh, hold on. I mean, I can play like a little bit more of it because I think that's the only time where he says the F word. Here we go. You too. Let me whisper sweet nothings into your ear, boo. Know what you say? It's nothing. Yes, yeah, so what I'll do is 
So he goes on to essentially accuse her of being an alcoholic. And then what he does, as he did at the beginning of the track where she was like moaning, he goes on to like play the phone messages that she had left on his answering machine throughout the song among other things and he said like the only time that we had sex was essentially when she was like dry humping me or something like that and uh like i came too fast or whatever and then he was just like this this is this is the warning shot these are the receipts that i have this circles all the way back to the stephen a smith Kyrie irving little debate stephen a smith you have nothing you have nothing i love it when people say i have receipts and then they proceed to not say or do anything to not have receipts where are your receipts and like four paragraphs or maybe it was like six or seven i didn't really get a good count like six or seven paragraphs essentially said nothing he is like and then he wants to say like like um the quote was as far as you when you have a level let me know and it's just like bro he's one of the best basketball players on the planet and he's way richer than you and more successful than you and second of all what's your level again going back to what Kyrie was saying what is your level off uh, off of first take or actually let's keep it straight on first take you're a bad media host you're bad media analyst bad basketball analyst Dude played basketball and he doesn't know what's going on. Ridiculous. But uh, sure, fine. We can pretend. We can play pretend. We can pretend that you're on Kyrie Irving's level. I'm not even like a big Kyrie Irving fan. It's just to me, it's ridiculous for Stephen A. Smith to come out and be like, you're not on my level, Kyrie. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. Like, you would be nothing without Kyrie Irving and any sports athlete really right now. Come on, dude. It's like, whereas we would still watch Kyrie Irving play basketball if you never covered him. I don't even think ratings would even go down by that much. Like, I love it whenever media members are like, the players are rich because we, uh, we talk about them and I'm like, they would still be rich and we would still watch their sports uh, if you guys didn't cover them. I don't think, and by the way, if it was true that, you know, media members are super important for the game and the coverage of the game, then it's just like, then why aren't millions upon millions of people watching your interviews and reading your articles? Boom, roasted, sit down, shut up, Stephen A. Smith. I am sick and tired of you. So. Hold on. I'm like, I'm on Atlas's Twitter because they announced today that Persona <laughs> that Persona games were coming to like Xbox and PlayStation 5 and PS4 and stuff like that. I'm like, Atlas, make Persona FES on console. And then they're not going to do that. Hold on. I don't understand. And they said, so, like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't think people care about this. 
Let me talk about Hugh Jackson. So Hugh Jackson, former terrible head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Apparently, I think he's like the head coach at Grambling, which is an HBCU. He's a terrible coach. Um, two things can be true. He's a terrible coach. Freddie Kitchens was a terrible coach. Todd Haley was a terrible coach. Greg Williams was a terrible coach. Like two things, like maybe not two things, but like eight things can be true. Like Hugh Jackson can be a terrible coach among others of the Cleveland Cavaliers organization. And you could, you could ask me, well, 24, he's such a terrible coach. He's surrounded by a bunch of terrible coaches, including one Todd Haley and Greg Williams. Like, like, like what's going on? Like, why does he have so many bad head coaches while being a bad head coach? And it's just like, I think organizationally, the organization, the Cleveland Browns were like, Greg Williams was a Super Bowl winning assistant. Todd Haley, I think was the exact same thing. Greg Williams, formerly of the New Orleans Saint, Saints, excuse me, he was the bounty gate guy. He was the guy that put hits out on players and things of that nature. His teams always play fucking dirty. Uh, Todd Haley, the former offensive coordinator for the Steelers, also a terrible coach, right? Got fired by the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and also had Le'Veon Bell. He still couldn't put together a just a competent offense to run with those three guys. It was just, we're going to run the shit out of the ball and that's going to be it. They couldn't beat Tom Brady at his highest, or at, maybe not at his highest, but when Tom really didn't have that much offensive firepower. Fire, let me say it like I'm from Boston. Firepower! But yeah, Hugh Jack, uh, Jackson, I was about to say Hugh Jackman like Wolverine, but Hugh Jackman or Jackson had a bunch of shitty coaches with a bunch of awesome resumes, but um, they were shitty coaches. It kind of reminded me of Jason Garrett, how people were talking up Jason Garrett and they were like, Jason Garrett is an awesome head coach. The Giants are lucky to have him as an offensive coordinator. And then you had Dallas media personalities being like, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's great. And then he like flames out in like a year and nobody cares. I don't care. I'm glad that he's not coaching football. But um, whatever is going to happen with the, um, what is it? With like NBC America's game night, whatever the fuck it's called. It's going to be disaster. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to suck. Uh, he's not really going to contribute really that much to it. I'm so thankful that he is not actually in the booth. Cause I, again, was watching one of the games that he was casting. And I was like, holy fuck, is this bad? Holy shit. Also, can I talk about the USFL for a couple of seconds? This won't take too long. Apparently, they're going to have the championship game this weekend. When is it? Because if it's during Formula One, I can't watch it during Formula One. I will not forsake Formula One. I think it's going to happen on Saturday. Is baseball, is, is like, is there any baseball game that's going on on Sunday? Hold on. Or Saturday? Baseball. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to like figure out if there is anything that is going on this Saturday that will take precedent over 
whatever they're doing this weekend. I'm I'm not sure. Like a shit ton of baseball games. Ooh, Padres at the Dodgers! Oh my god, I can't wait. I actually have the game. It's on FS1. Like, is, there, is there anything on Saturday? Please. Please, dear God. Like a shit ton of baseball games. Dodges. Anything. Primetime games. Anything on Saturday. Anything. Maybe Atlanta versus the Cardinals or something like that. Actually, I don't. I don't know. If there is a excuse, if I can find an excuse to get out of watching the USFL, I will use it. I will use it. And it looks like the Dodgers playing. I'm, I'm getting a lot of Dodgers games. Ooh, I get the Padres. <laughs> the Padres, the San Diego Padres. When I think um, ABC. So I'm uberly excited about that at Dodger Stadium. Thank God. But the USFL, God, man. I mean, I talked about it a little bit yesterday where the USFL. Oh, yep. 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 Wait, score. Hold on. I'm like, apparently. People like apparently it's scoring it like, hold on. Let me. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just there's no way people actually like this, right? Okay, so the championship game is on Sunday. It better be on primetime. Because I am not going to watch it. It's at 6.30 CDT, whatever that means. I got Melbourne, the Formula One race, and I got the Dodgers. I may, I may miss it. Formula One. Like, it says, it thinks I fucking did f at 41. 40, Formula One. My TV has me doing everything. Sorry about this. No, god damn it. Formula God. Formula One. I'm like, I'm speaking fucking English here. Hold on. When is at what time is the next race? Uh bu -bu -bu. It's at it's at fucking nine fifty five on ESPN two in the morning. Silverstone on a Saturday. It should be ESPN's prime slot. What is on? Is it Wimbledon? Is it Wimbledon? Because Wimbledon's going on right now. Like, are you guys doing Wimbledon? Over? Over? Formula One? Are you guys insane? Yes. That's what I thought. I was like, it's, it's Wimbledon. Yeah, I'm like, what's, what takes priority over Formula One? And it's Wimbledon. Okay. Oh, no, 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 do that. Sorry. 
But um, yeah, it looks like I'm going to watch the USFL this Sunday because it's going to come on at a time where I can watch it. I'm not excited at all. I'm not excited at all. Nobody's talking about the USFL. Nobody cares. Fox and other networks have like forced some of their media members to talk about it. And now they aren't talking about it because nobody cares. But I'm getting this article from Fox News that's that's saying USFL scores big with viewers in inaugural season. And I'm like, what viewers? Nobody like I would have heard something if people were actually watching the games live at home or in the stadium. There are games where there is literally no fans in the stadium. So I'm like, what the fuck is Fox News talking about with uh, with scores big with viewers in inaugural season? Let me. Oh, it's a fo- I was like. Fox owns Fox News. I'm like, oh, I was like, I was like, wait, why is Fox talking, talking so positively about this? And I was like, oh, it's because you own this fucking news network. So now you have your your fucking news guys talk about <laughs> talk about your shitty fucking uh, your uh, your league that nobody watches. Are you even I'm, I'm scrolling and scanning the article right now. I'm like, are you guys going to going to uh, to talk to me? Oh, yeah. And they're all, they, they talk to the New York Post as well. I'm like, so are you guys going to give me the uh, the ratings? No, they're not going to give me the ratings. Yeah. Yeah, they're just giving me like clips on Twitter. How many views? There's 223 likes. So if I like press on this clip that you gave me, hold on, it may blast. Hold on. Man, feel great, man. I am so sorry. So I couldn't like fucking mute it, could I? No, I couldn't. It was linked. Sorry about that. You have 7,600 views on it. Unlike a Twitter clip. For one of your postseason games. And then I get, you know, um, according to Fox News, you know, the USFL scores big with viewers in inaugural season. But then I get this kind of article that's refuting what you're saying, where it's uh, Fox's USFL seeking outside investor to help fund expansion sources now keep in mind right it's tuesday night almost wednesday night i am one step closer to getting the season finale of stranger things thank god but it's like tuesday night i'm trying but going back a couple of days ago sunday i'm trying to find really sunday saturday i'm trying to find the usfl game that's supposed to be on that I'm supposed to be watching, or technically the two games that I'm supposed to be watching, they were supposed to be on Fox and NBC. They were not. Then I looked around and I tried to find NBC Sports. I don't know if I have it or not. I don't think so. I don't really care because it's NBC Sports. I don't watch CB. I don't watch ESPN for the most part. But like NBC Sports, couldn't find it. Couldn't find it on FS1 either. It was on some weird channel, like my local fox station i think was like yeah we're gonna roll with something else because uh we're not getting the ratings that we want that was like what i speculated but again uh, according to fox which owns the uh the network or the league they were like no the ratings are fine it's like the meme of the burning house and the fox where they were like yeah this is fine this is fine and it's just like no it's not 
No, it's not. Obviously, it's not. But I get this article now where it's kind of refuting that Fox article that was like, yes, 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 uh, we're, we're fine. We have our, the ratings have exceeded our expectations. But uh, here's the actual article and the really the headline from the article fox's usfl seeking outside investor to help fund expansion so if you don't know how the usfl works the usfl only plays in by the way again i was watching one of the games the mixing was awful for the broadcast they didn't center the audio levels so it sounded as if, and I know I don't have like great audio myself, but it sounded as if essentially you only had one ear and the only sound that was that you were able to like, the only way to like listen to it is if you like literally uh, stood to the left of your TV. You know how like when one of your earbuds goes out and you only have sound in one earbud, that's what happened except to my TV. I've never seen something and it happened for over an hour plus. I stopped watching the game but I'm like, like the play and the ratings are above your expectation when you don't even have guys in the booth that can properly mix the sound of your fucking games. Are you serious? Again, the headline of the article is Fox's. We'll get into it in a couple of seconds. Fox's USFL seeking outside investor to help fund expansion sources. Continuing to go on to say the Fox sports owned USFL has hired investment bank Allen and co to find minority investors to help fund the league's expansion. Three sources with knowledge of the situation said this Sunday. Uh, I don't care about the teams playing. Continuing forward, Fox is turning to Allen and co, which just advised the Denver Broncos on its record $4.65 billion sale to Walmart air Rob Walton, Fox's plan is to raise between $150 million and $200 million, sources said. Allen & Co. knows parties who have shown recent interest, invest, investor interest, excuse me, in football and is looking for investors who can help Fox run the league. Fox has a long-standing relationship with Allen & Co. and they have advised us on setting up the financial structure of the league which sets the USFL up for future growth as we head into the 2023 season and beyond as a Fox Sports, a Fox spokesperson said, excuse me, declining to comment on the current assignment. The USFL played all of their games this season in Birmingham, Alabama. Next year, the league plans to have two to four cities host the games played by its eight teams. Is that the end of the article? Uh, no, continuing forward. This is a costly venture to get off the ground. Fox plan, a source said, Fox plans to keep the league going next year, even if it cannot find the right investor, sources said, and is controlling costs by using Fo some of Fox's infrastructure, including its marketing team. Apparently, its infrastructure is not very good because I've seen its marketing team and it's not very good. USFL games have been sparsely attended, but ratings this, this season on Fox, NBC, and the USA networks were higher than the more established major league soccer or even US broadcasts of the English Premier League. I mean, no offense to uh, whoever wrote this article, but you do realize we're in America and Americans don't care about soccer. 
Now, if you had said something, and I remember this happening a couple of years ago where the XFL or the AFL had had higher ratings than the NBA, like a couple million people were watching those games. I was like, oh, now that's something interesting. And then the ratings like fell off a cliff after that first week, but they were competing with the NBA's games when it came to ratings. And I was like, hmm, now that's fucking interesting. But then, of course, they fell off a cliff and then it was just like, oh, okay, well, they have their time in the sun. But again, it's like, dude, we're, we're living in America and the U.S. broadcasts of the English Premier Leagues like are probably minimal at best. Like nobody watches those. Uh, nobody watches soccer in America. With MLS franchises now worth about $400 billion each. Again, like nobody cares. MLS, is that like, what is MLS? Major League Soccer? Is soccer like a super, like is soccer super profitable? Is MLS the American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like $200 million. I'm like, that sounds like an American soccer team. Excuse me. I'm like, again, it's like MLS is the worst league to compare it to because most America doesn't care about soccer. With MLS franchises now worth about $400 million each, the math goes that the USFL with its eight teams could be worth at least $3.2 billion a few years down the road. If they keep on track with their like projected trajectory of their evaluation of the league, then sure, fine. But $3.2 billion? I don't think they're worth a billion dollars right now. Like the only reason why the USFL, and I said this on Monday, the only reason why the USFL hasn't like essentially been bankrupted, because if you ask me, I would rather watch the XFL. I would rather watch the AFL. And then I think the USFL, the USFL is boring. It's terrible. I don't know why it's so bad. I think it's the coaching because I think they have good players, but the USFL is terrible when it comes to the quality of play. And I was kind of like shocked at how bad it was. But then at the exact same time, I was like, oh yeah, this league would 1000% be defunct if, again, Fox and NBC weren't, like literally they didn't have billions upon billions of dollars to like throw, in th throw into the, uh, the garbage pit that is this league apparently. But $3.2 billion right now? Fuck no, absolutely not. Uh, here we go. Sportico reported June 22nd that the 10-week USFL broadcast averaged 695,000 viewers a game. Really? A game? Which was much better than the 295,000 who watched MLS on the ESPN channels, according to the Nielsen data. Depends on how you look at it. To me, I'm like... You should be breaking somewhere close to like a million, right? And it kind of depends on who you are and what you are and da-da-da-da-da. It's like to me personally speaking, you want my honest opinion about it. If you are a spring league team and if you have a, a good enough product and if you have a good enough marketing team, I feel like you should easily hit like a million like that. Like it shouldn't be this difficult to me to hit a million viewers. It's like you averaged 695,000 I feel like in the next year or two, it'll be at a lower rate. I don't think it'll expand. I think it'll retract. 
to me at least. Especially because it's like, there's going to be more leagues apparently. I think the XFL is going to be back next year and like Dwayne Johnson is running it. So, and apparently I think he's gonna, I think he may have a contract with like ESPN or hold on. There was like something about it where the XFL had had like a contract with some network and then the XFL apparently gets started I think the week after the Super Bowl. So it already has a head start on you. And it happens literally right after the Super Bowl, which is prime, prime fucking like real estate for them. And they actually fucking play in hometown stadiums so fans can fucking go to the games. Who has the broadcasting rights? Yeah. The XFL, they agreed to a, tw to a five-year deal with Disney and ESPN. So now it's like, oops, the XFL now has some brass in there, has, a, has some billion-dollar backing or billion-dollar company backing them. And they go on to talk about how the XFL is doing, not the XFL, the USFL is doing better than MLS. And I'm like, nobody cares about MLS in America. Terrible example. Regardless, uh, I think I'll have to watch it. Like, this is how much I don't like the USFL. I am trying to find an excuse to not watch the championship game. And when the playoffs were going on and there was like nothing happening, I was like, I'll watch Stranger Things versus the championship games. Because I don't care. I care, like... The USFL doesn't have any impact, relatively speaking, on the NFL. And most people are going to watch these games and they're going to be like, these are fucking terrible games. I cannot believe, on average, they get 695,000 people watching their games when the games are terrible. Terrible. And I feel like that 695,000 people are probably a product of that early interest where maybe millions upon millions of people were watching and now my guess maybe my guess would probably be that it's that the ratings are like that have are, are, are have essentially fallen off the proverbial cliff because i haven't seen anyone talk about the usfl in weeks in weeks not weeks months in months so I'm like, wait a second. And, specific, and again, it's not organic. People aren't talking about the USFL because it's interesting or fun or exciting. They're talking about it. The people that are talking about it are talking about it because their networks are paying them to talk about it. So anyways, no, let me turn on my AC. It's like hot and humid in here. Hold on. <clears throat> Ridiculously humid in here. Shout out to um to my new iPad. I'm getting another iPad because my new iPad that I got literally in March 
is now broken. Not my fault. It's hardware. They checked it out. They're like, yeah, you get a new free iPad. I go into the Apple store and I'm like, I call up Apple yesterday and I was like, hey, uh, my iPad speakers just stopped working. And then they went through the troubleshooting process where they were like, hey, uh, do this, this and this and try and figure it out and see if it um, and see if it's something that you can fix. And then I was like, it's not. They were like, we can schedule an appointment to uh, for you to go into Apple and da 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 da. And I was like, I'll go in. Then they were like, uh, hey, uh, your Apple product, your iPad is literally three months old. You're under you're under like a literal warranty where if anything is wrong with it, and I didn't even pay for it. They're like, yeah, you're under a year long warranty where because you're shopping with us, you literally get a free fucking iPad uh, if you want. So I was like, I will take the free iPad. Gimme, 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 gimme. And I am going to get my new iPad literally in a week. Until then, I'm going to have to watch Stranger Things on an iPad where half my speakers work on it. So that's, um, that's fun. Oh, gosh. Let's talk about Hugh Jackson and the disaster that was and is the horrifying Cleveland Browns during his run. Again, he's a shitty coach. Todd Haley's a shitty coach. Greg Williams is a shitty coach. Freddie Kitchen is is a shitty coach. A lot of the clo- coaches on that staff were shitty. Some of them are, are coaching in the USFL. And what a surprise. Like, the team with Hugh Jackson's running back coach, the Pittsburgh Maulers, I think that's what they're called, got their asses handed to them on a silver fucking platter for the majority of the season. If I just like go to the standings of the USFL uh, games, I think they literally only won like one or two games. They were an absolute embarrassment for the entirety of what they won one game, excuse me, one out of 10. They were absolutely unequivocally the worst fucking team on the planet. Holy shit. I watched some of their games and I was like, they're poorly coached. They're terribly coached. They have good players, but they just are not putting them in positions to win. If you don't know who the Pittsburgh Maulers were and are, they were the team that had the coach that had the 80 bajillion rules for semi-professional athletes to follow. And none of them included winning. So they finished, I think, worse, worst in the conference at one and nine. The other team, the Houston Gamblers, that was the worst team in their conference. Do you want to know how many games they fucking won? They won three games. They won three. Maulers won one. Joke of a football team. They did have like one, I was about to say they had an awesome win and it was just like, no, they beat the worst team in the other conference. What a surprise. The worst team in, uh, in, in the USFL beat the second worst team in the USFL. It's like some of these games weren't close and really some of these games were like unfunctional messes. Like they lost like one game early on in the season, 24 to zero to one of the worst teams in the usfl like the second worst it's they're either the third worst team in the usfl or the fourth worst 
the the Michigan Panthers, which is coached by the god awful um, Jeff Fisher. Just like you lost twenty four to zero, joke. But um, yes, going like I'm getting sidetracked a lot here. I'm trying to talk about Hugh Jacks, uh, Jackman and how terrible of a coach he is. But uh, I just keep on talking about how terrible his assistants were. And that's kind of, you know, like uh, talking about how terrible he was as a head coach as well. Kind of, but not really. So let's, um, let's dive right in to the, uh, the issues with Hugh Jackson, not Hugh Jackman. And the Cleveland Browns. So this is a clip from Hard Knocks where he is out of practice. Hard Knocks, by the way, one of the most boring TV shows ever that I am on an annual basis kind of like constantly forced to watch. But to a large degree, I kind of don't want to, but um, I have to watch it because it's the only football going on right now. I mean, like look up two seconds something here two seconds da, 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 da. like two okay here we go there's a clip of him out of practice talking to his team really getting the guys going on and Addressing what really needs to be addressed as a football coach getting ready to go to the NFL regular season. Stop walking. Everybody up. Everybody up. Everybody up. Come here. Come here. Come here. When the f did we start walking around out here? Huh? When did we start our level all of a sudden becomes like this? When did that start, Kirko? When? When did it start, Batonio? Never. Never. I'm not watching that anymore. Coaches, you better get after these guys and get to where they're supposed to be and let practice the way we practice. Back to the top, the one drop. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, Hugh. Hugh. So this exchange with Tyrod Taylor is really, really interesting because Tyrod has his back. He has his head coach's back, as he should. He's a quarterback. But he's telling Hugh, Jack, Hugh Jackson kind of like how he can monitor players that are walking on the football field continuing forward I'm rolling, I'm rolling camera on that and it's a little bit inaudible but essentially he's talking about having a rolling camera in one of the um on one of like the sky boxes or whatever that's on the field they have these like gigantic uh like temporary structures on the practice field like these towers that look down on the practice field that allow people to watch the practices on the field but also elevated and also in the shade so they're temporary structures that they can tear down and stuff like that and so what tyrod is saying is if you put a camera there and if you keep it rolling you can actually see who is jogging on the field and things of that nature great job by tyrod by the way having his coaches back and catch them all you gotta do is show it one time in the meeting now guys are conscious of it and they build good habits of jogging off the field and uh, yep yeah. So Hugh Jackson responds, essentially, he agrees, but then he responds with, 
everybody's got we've got bad habits habits everybody does and he says everybody is so slow some things from the day and then he shows some plays and practice that i don't have the context for because hard knocks should have edited some of the parts where he chastises the team that is the quote that i wanted to play for you hold on let me unplug my computer really really quickly hold on Sorry about that. So why did I play you a four-year-old clip of Hugh Jackson chastising his football team? Well, faithful viewer, the reason why I did that was to illustrate how unfocused Hugh Jackson and the Cleveland Browns were, and to some degree, um, Maybe not are, but definitively were unfocused on actually fucking winning. I saw a lot of their practices, or at least I saw parts of their practices that were scripted and that were taken out of context and things of that nature. But I saw dropped passes. I saw coaches not really understanding what was going on and things of that nature, like Todd Haley talking about how Corey, uh, Corey Coleman like slipped or whatever uh, while trying to go after a pass or a ball. And it's just like, um, he's not Jesus Christ. He went up and tried to make a play on the ball and then he slipped and he fell down while in the air. It's just like, as he came down and tried and landed, he like slipped on the, you know, on the grass, which happens and he fell down. And it's just like, he still didn't catch the ball. This is a bad ball. But he's just like, how can you be mad at a player for, for trying to make a fucking play on the ball? Ask Todd Haley. It's why his ass is in the USFL, not in the NFL. But when I saw that clip, I was like, how does any of this relate to winning? And I'm sorry if you played in high school or if you played in college and your coach made you run on the field and that made you tough or whatever. Like these are NFL players. They did the shit that you did in like 10 times more. Like, I'm sorry, you were not good enough to be a professional athlete. Get over yourself. It's not my fault, it's yours. They don't need to, uh, they don't need to be, you know, they don't need to constantly show off how tough and physical they are. I don't need Todd, not Todd. I don't need Nick Chubb, Big Chubb to run around constantly and show off how tough he is. I need him to fucking practice well. And that's what they didn't do. They didn't fucking practice well. And they didn't fucking practice well because their coaches had no fucking idea what they were doing. That's why they did not practice well. You had Todd Haley chastising wide receivers because they weren't making plays on terribly thrown footballs. You had Hugh Jackson not fucking understanding or knowing what the fuck is going on sitting around like a fucking donut. Greg Williams wasn't even involved in the show because Greg Williams, to some degree, is kind of irrelevant. So, for me, I'm watching the game, or I'm watching the TV show, and I'm like, oh, this is why he was terrible. Because he is not doing the things that it takes for him to win. As evident by, they're like 3-13 and 13 record that year. But yeah, sure, you know, great, great job. They ran at practice. 
Great job. Sure. Whatever. Some people are like, it's the small details that count. And I concur. But do you want to know where that energy should be dedicated on? Your fucking play on the field! That's where it should be dedicated. It should be dedicated towards your actual play on the football field. Not on, oh my God, is X player running at practice? This is a controversy statement, controversial statement. I don't really give a fuck. I don't really care that these guys were not running at practice. I care that they had a shitty practice. And that's one of the many reasons why all of those guys got fired. Freddie Kitchens, Todd Haley, Greg Williams, and yes, Hugh Jackson. Because they were just terrible at their jobs. It's why there's so many head coaches that are so fucking terrible at their jobs because they're like, well, I'm going to go about it like it's high school or college or I'm going to be anal retentive and do everything hard and difficult and tough and I'm not going to look at the things that actually matter when it comes to winning, nor will I employ and do the things that actually matter and win when it comes to football. No, we'll just... Do random shit like talk about how we're fucking, um, how we're not jogging at practice. I'm done with this. Excuse me, I'm hiccuping now. Excuse me. I'm hiccuping and I'm burping. Where is my iPad so that way we can get through this? Ah, gosh. Okay. Final thing we got to talk about here today. Is. Let me pull it up. Final thing I got to talk about here today. Is DBs in the NFL. DBs in the NFL. Want to talk about it think almost a week ago, but I was just, I was kind of just, I was not happy with the podcast. I want to talk about it today and we'll talk about some here today. And I really wanted to talk about kind of guys that are changing the NFL and things of that nature. And really there's three and then we'll peace out really four. I love how the number is increasing. Maybe we'll talk about this here again in a couple of weeks to months, but really I just want to talk about Jalen Ramsey, Jamal Adams, Trevon Diggs, and Xavier Howard. Because I think they, for DBs, are changing the way that, at the very least, I perceive DBs, right? So let's talk about Jamal Adams, right? Safety out of Seattle, formerly a New York Jet, right? So Jamal Adams, about a couple of years ago, is perceived to be the best safety in the NFL, which he was. And to be honest with you, if Seattle didn't fucking play him as a free safety and if they played him as a strong safety, he probably would still be the best safety in the NFL. Why? He is a dominant force in the running game and in the passing game when it comes to being a pass rusher, specifically when they utilize him as a blitzer. He is a dominant force. How do I know this? Well, let's take a look at his statistics because he did something that is 
historical and i am shocked that nobody nobody else is talking about this i'm shocked he had nine and a half sacks in 2020 which is a record among nfl dbs not safeties dbs defensive backs in general he was a better pass rusher and blitzer than a lot of defensive ends and defensive linemen. I'm looking at you straight in your fucking eyes, Demarcus Lawrence. Hasn't had over, I think, five or six sacks in almost like four years. But sure, fine, we can talk about how awesome of a, of a defensive end he is. Where the fuck are his sacks? Jamal Adams literally has more sacks in the last three years than I think Demarcus has in five. Let me pull up my statistic. Let me pull them up. When was the last time he had 10 sacks? He had 10 sacks in 2018. Jamal almost had that in 2018. In 2020, excuse me. He had nine and a half to Demarcus Lawrence's ten and a half. And then, oh, just for shits and giggles, Jamal also was like, you know what I'm gonna do in 2019? Have six and a half sacks. <laughs> I think that's the most demarcus has had since yeah since 2018 six and a half but demarcus is a great defensive lineman sure fine sure fine okay all right but jamal to me is changing the way that i look at dbs because i didn't realize that they could actually be capable and able of providing pressure pressure via not providing pressure via sacking the quarterback that's what i was going to say but i didn't realize that they could be effective pass rushers and in the sense of being a blitzer when you get nine sacks it's not luck it's not it is scheme but it's not just oh my god we're just blitzing jamal adams and he's able and capable of of getting sacks it's that there's an actual skill to it Right, it's not just that he's being lined up against running backs. And by the way, he'll fucking crush running backs as well. I've seen him do it. Jamal is fucking insane, and I don't understand why Seattle played him in such an off position. I pray to God that they revert him back to playing the strong safety position, so that way he can do what he does best and murder quarterbacks. But I didn't realize that they could be such effective pass rushers. Or more specifically, Jamal Adams could be uh, an effective pass rusher. At least in my opinion. More effective than Demarcus Lawrence, I'll tell you right now. Not even close. If you ask me Demarcus Lawrence, ver uh, if I could have Demarcus Lawrence or Jamal Adams, I'm picking Jamal Adams and I'm not looking back. It's not even close. Holy smokes. Not even fucking close. Let me look something up really quickly. It's just ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. The slander against Jamal Adams. But again, if he was if he was healthy last season, if they didn't play him in a shitty position, he would probably be a five, six sack a year type of guy. I think he was their best pass rusher, wasn't he, as well? By that margin, by that statistic, by sex, I think he was. I think he was their best pass rusher. 
I'm not saying you put his hand in the dirt and that you, you know, let him tee off against, def- uh, against offensive linemen. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying he is one of the best pass rushers when it comes to the blitz in the NFL, and I think that that's good enough. Let him do what he does best. Now, Jamal Adams, pass rushing savant, changing the game for defensive backs everywhere. Awesome player. I want to talk about Jalen Ramsey because he's kind of a Jamal Adams in the sense of Jamal plays a lot of his, a lot of his positive, a lot of his great play, or not of his great play, but a lot of his strengths, I say, come from his ability to play multiple different positions. Jamal Adams, or not Jamal Adams, Jalen Ramsey is very, very similar in the sense of Jalen can play multiple positions as well, and he can play them at very, very high levels. I was thinking about this last night when I was up, and I didn't really have anything, you know, to do. I was like, Jalen Ramsey can play like eight different positions on the defense. He can play all of the defensive back positions. He can play some of the linebacker positions as well. And on top of that, he's an awesome tackler, and he can do all of those. He can play all of those positions at essentially the highest of levels. Like, he's an awesome tackler, an elite tackler. He can play inside and outside, and people always want to show off the, you know, the one or two plays where he just, you know, he gets beaten by, oh, my God, Cooper Cup. Oh, my God, Mike Evans, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Like, people just want to be like, oh, yeah, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup beat him. Oh, my God, he's a terrible corner. They also don't show off, like, the other 50-plus plays of Jalen stopping the run, playing great in coverage against those awesome wide receivers as well, and being a dominant force on defense uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. Nobody shows off those plays. But Jalen, with just that position versatility, not just being able to play like linebacker and safety, but also just like slot corner and outside corner and strong side corner and weak side corner. Being able to play those positions is like super, super rare for a cornerback. And it's so incredibly useful and effective, right? Because every single offense nowadays is like, let me move my guy inside. Now he's outside. Let me move him back outside. Now he's back inside. Let me move him in the backfield. Let me do jet sweep. Like, let me do all of these things to discombobulate and confuse the defense and then most importantly get matchups that I actually want to be able to get if Cooper Cup is lined up against a slot receiver he better be one of the best he better be Tredavis White otherwise he's getting cooked and even then Tredavis White is probably going to get cooked it's all about matchups now it's not about who is playing outside or who is playing inside or excuse me, it's not about the X position. People are such, people are so behind on this, it's ridiculous. They're like a number one wide receiver. How we dictate that is if they play the X position or not. And it's like, no, it's not. Well, 24, how would you describe it? Describe it as somebody who can receive a high volume amount of pass and targets. Who can get a, a high volume of catches. Or excuse me, that can get a, a high volume of catches off of targets and can also generate a lot of yards as well. And by a lot of yards, I mean like consistently a thousand, 
at like 12 and a half yards per catch, 12 yards per catch, but really it's like 13, 13 yards per catch, something like that. Small margins, I know, but they make the difference. I'm like, does he, is he able and capable of getting a thousand yards consistently and generating? Like there's more stuff to go into it, but we'll just say thousand yards at like 12 and a half catches like that's a number one and that's not even like a great number one by the way that's not like Devonte adams Devonte adams can get you like 14 15 yards per catch on like 100 targets or something ridiculous like that where is that cooper cup how many yards per catch can cooper cup give you it was insane how many, it was like 13.4 yards per catch 16 touchdowns 145 receptions by the way this is before the playoffs 1900 yards he probably had like over like 2,200 yards last season. Let me look it up really, really quickly. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Like I don't have his playoff numbers. So I hate how everybody just like doesn't combine the playoff numbers. He had 478 yards of receiving in the playoffs plus an additional six touchdowns. So all in all, he had what looks like 478 plus 1947. He had like 2,500 yards last season, right? Or no, 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 no. He had 2,400 yards, a little bit over, and 22 touchdowns. Is that the season record? I don't really know. I don't really care. Like, it, it's, it's close enough for me. It's like, it's, it should be noted, right? Again, there's very, very few people that are going to be able to get like 1,900 yards or whatever, like in a regular season. Cooper Cup is one of them, but I'm not concerned with a wide receiver, you know, playing one position. He's got to play multiple. So now to counteract that, going back to Jalen Ramsey, DBs now have to play multiple different positions to be able to counteract wide receivers being able to play multiple positions. And then on top of that, they also have to be able to do a whole bunch of shit because guys can't tackle. That's where Jalen Ramsey comes in. He's able to do everything. It's like, you guys want to run the ball? I'm in the box. I'm playing a safety position. I'm playing a linebacker role. Guess what? I'll stop your ass dead in your tracks. Watch the Super Bowl. He doesn't just give up passing plays, ladies and gentlemen. He drops back in coverage. He plays pretty well in coverage. And he also helps stop the Bengals running game. That's Jalen Ramsey. Finally, I got two more corners. The big boys, Trevon Diggs and Xavier Howard. Let me take a swig of my Powerade and before I continue. So if Jalen Ramsey is able to play multiple positions at an elite level, what is so special about Trevon Diggs and Xavier Howard? Well, simply put, they are offensive defensive players. Well, what does that mean? That's a little bit confusing. It's an oxymoron. They play defense, but they're offensive players. Yes. They give up sometimes plays, which by the way, they don't give up. They don't give up touchdowns. Xavier Howard, like there's a misconception about Trevon Diggs because everybody now wants to start quoting me like, uh, oh my God, he gives up so many yards and it's just like he's one of the most targeted DBs in the NFL and he doesn't give up touchdowns, but sure, fine, we can talk about yards. But there's a misconception with Trevon Diggs where everybody wants to talk about yards and things of that nature, but people forget he had two touchdowns 
because of pick sixes. And then he also had an additional nine interceptions and like over 11 batted balls. And I think Trevon Diggs is sim not Trev uh, Trevon, Xavier Howard is similar in his statistics where he probably had a bunch of batted balls as well because they get targeted a lot because they are very, very prone. At least that's this is what people think of being aggressive and attacking the ball. So people are like, well, we want to attack them because they, they'll make a mistake and we believe in our guys and things of that nature. The reason why I'm talking about them today is that I think it's so interesting and I talked about it. I've constantly talked about it throughout the years of like the defense, not the defensive back, but the corner position is in a terrible spot because everybody is playing coverage terribly. I mean, it's a hard position to learn, but everybody's doing it terribly and nobody's able to counteract the problem that I just talked about with Jalen Ramsey, where Jalen is really the only guy that can be moved inside and outside really in the NFL. Everyone else, it's you're outside or you're inside. And so teams get to take advantage of that, right? They get the matchups that they want because DBs can't play multiple positions. And so when it comes to Trevon Diggs and Xavier Howard, they do one thing well, and that's outside corner. But what they also do well is they fucking will, will take the ball. They will take the ball back for their offense. In some cases, they'll do it multiple times in a game. Reason why I think that's so important and so unique for a corner, because both of them are getting like, I mean, Trevon Diggs got 11 interceptions last year. I think Xavier Howard is like seven, eight, nine, something like that. Xavier Howard is one, and JC Jackson, you can kind of put in this group as well, but Xavier Howard is really the guy that comes to mind when it comes to just being a ball hawking corner. He had, yeah, he had five interceptions in 2021, and then he had 10 in 2020. So, yes, Xavier Howard is a pretty fucking awesome corner. That's not my point. My point is, I think with both of these guys, Xavier and Trevon Diggs, I think that it's an interesting concept with both of them that they're both these corners that are uberly aggressive and able to create turnovers for their defense and give the ball back to their offense because turnovers are such an important statistic with um with the nfl and with offenses and things of that nature that it's like if you have multiple turnovers in a game you've essentially lost just because of how easy it is for an opposition to score or have an additional possession or whatever or in trevon in both of their cases they can turn a turnover into points via a pick six and i thought is this how you counteract wide receivers if you're an outside corner and not every single person can do this, right? Not every single person can be this ball hawking corner. It's why they usually are playing corner because they can't catch. But for the guys that can, I think it's an interesting concept to be able to be like, yes, you are now, your job is to find ways to create turnovers and be disruptive as a corner. So that way we can get additional possessions and potentially, um, and, and potentially win the game just based off of our ability to turn the football over as a defense. And I think that's such an interesting concept. Dallas really, really rode that wagon until the wheels fell off last year. And really, in 2020, I think when the Dolphins won 10 games, they did something similar as well, obviously, with Xavier Howard getting 10 interceptions. I don't think it's a bad way to win games at all. It's just, 
can the corners that you employ, can they consistently do that? I think for both of them, the answer is yes. But the question that I now have is like, who can kind of do that? Who can kind of like follow in their footsteps? That's kind of my question for me, at least. Long term. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, I'm piecing out for tonight. Two days, we're going to have the Music Matters podcast on the final day of, not the final day, excuse me, but, or technically three days, because this is coming out Wednesday night. But, um, oh God, I can't wait for Stranger Things. I, oh God, I cannot wait for Stranger Things. I'm piecing out for tonight. 24th podcast.